All right. All right, we're back with another episode of Smash and Grab Comics. This is Tyler. This is JP. We are back at you to talk about the weird world. The, the, the weird unnatural. World. Chad, this week is very unnatural. Yeah, it was a good week for comics. It was. Good week for indie books. Yep. Uh, a lot of sellouts this week. A lot of surprise hits this week. Uh, a lot of ones that we already knew were surefire winners. Uh, yeah. Sync number four came out this week, which yep. is surefire winner. Redneck number eight. Yeah. Eight yep. came out this nope, week. Nine. Nine. Sorry. Redneck uh, number nine came out this week. Always a surefire winner. I've been really enjoying Red or Regression as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are just a couple things that came out. Um, we're going to hit on some other stuff, though. We'd like to keep it fresh on here, and we've covered those titles in the past. Fresh. So. Absolutely. we got a couple new titles and then um, covering ones that uh, we think need to be covered other than ones we've covered before. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I said covered a lot. Yeah. Some covers that we've covered need to cover... And I sell covers on the side. If you'd oh. like to buy one, I got you covered. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so I sold him one, too. <laughs> he was in here. What's up, boss? Stitch a little JC. JP, it's JC. That's right. That's right. Uh, right off the bat, uh, we had a little controversy here with Vinegar Teeth. Oh, fuck. Uh, Vinegar Teeth, number one, is out from Dark Horse. It's a Dark Horse original. Um, right off the bat, it's just weird it's just cartoony strange um john i know you hated it i did i know you absolutely hated it I did. and i thought it was just fun you know i had a a whole stack of demented horror stuff and this one was just goofy silly um you know it's about this um undercover cop that's trying to infiltrate the mob and then and some other dimension, an alien thing pops out, and it's poisoning the water, and it becomes his partner. <laughs> John's just shaking his head. He's not even going to speak on this one. This is the dumbest shit I've read in a long time, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I don't see the allure of this. Um, the art is... I don't know. The art is tough because... It's bad. Even though this alien thing, you can't make out any definite form on it well, at all. But there's the, no definite form. There's no uh, There's no real like rhyme or reason to the language. It's all really just weird cockney bullshit. And yeah. like, I don't know, man. This is just See, dumb. I, I, I thought that was tongue-in-cheek. I thought it was very um, purposeful to make it... Uh, like you were saying, Cockney kind of weird language in it. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the cops, you know, have these huge oversized hats on, like we're you know in a in a in a spaghetti western or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. And I really couldn't even tell you half about like what ha- like happens halfway through the book or yeah in the book because the art is so like nonsensical. Yeah. And then like the language is so nonsensical. Like, let me read you an excerpt. Let me read you an excerpt here. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is after they've uh, vinegar teeth. This this crazy weird blob creature is helps the police stop a crime, and they've got him for questioning on the side. So this lady goes, um, "Oh my god." <laughs> I, it's so hard to read. Oh, I hated this. But anyway, the detective's like, "Fine, fine." Well, what about that thing that ate my target? And the the lady goes, oh, he's right over there. And then she goes, nice enough, fella. And he's like, what the fuck? And then... Yeah, the thing ate the target. Yeah. So he's been... 
given an award for basically taking down this mob guy. I mean, he ate him. It was it was funny. And I'm sorry, I'm trying to find an excerpt that is just absolutely stupid. It, well, they call him Vinegar Teeth because the guy that was undercover um, can't take it that he's being um, heralded as this awesome detective. And he goes, ugh, Vinegar Teeth, by the smell of him, am I right? Yeah, you know? he's like, oh, Vinegar Teeth, I like that. Yep. Like, I don't know how this it's thing a, would sound. Yep. So that's his new name. Um, this being has no sense of uh, anything before this, before he came to um, where he's at in this comic. He has no sense of time, no sense of self. I mean, he's finally, you know, um, self-conscious, you know, for the first time ever. And he's being put as a police detective partner and um, with this guy that absolutely hates him. And I think the uh, artwork at times is tough to look reminds, at, but it's but it's but it's comical. This reminds me of a really bad like Robert Crumb comic. I don't know. You don't know who Robert Crumb is? No. All right, let me pull up uh, for you listeners out there. Um, look up Robert Crumb. Uh, be careful because you might want your Google Safe Search to be on. He he's known for drawing really obscene things. Uh, hold tight one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna find yeah I'm gonna find a, a Robert Crumb image for Tyler to look at. Um. So yeah, this for like I said for me it was just a straight up silliness. It, I will agree that there's really no rhyme or reason to it. Um, it was just a dumb story, but it just for me it made me laugh. Yeah. All right. Here's some Robert Crumb stuff. Crumb was a really weird guy. Okay. Um, he had a really big fetish for like Amazonian type women, like really large, tall, broad shouldered, broad shouldered, yep. big legged women. Yep. So a lot of his books like have those drawn in there. But, like that's Robert Crumb. Okay. Yep. See, and like he yep. would draw himself in the comics. Oh, yep. I recognize that. Yeah. The there was style. A, yeah. Yeah. There was a. Um, there was a there was a movie or a documentary called Just Crumb. Was there? Yeah, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. I watched it, and he was just a really weird guy. And he created a cult following, of course, because he he drew like naughty stuff. You know, Tijuana Bibles. Like, <laughs> yeah, he drew like Fritz the cat, and it was a cat yep. who used to like bang uh, prostitute cats and stuff. Like it was, nice. like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he was weird. Okay, this artwork in this book is a lot like that. It is. It is, and we're not saying uh, it's naughty in any way, but it's it uh, evokes that weird like uh, likeness of um, cartoony t- type bodies, big hats, yep, big huge, features, huge noses, yeah. big ears. Uh, no, we, I, we don't have to talk a long time on this. Um, I really hated it. I'm sorry. I love it. I love the the fact that it's not black or white for you. I mean, that it's no middle gray for you. It no. is dumb. I hated it. You know, that's what you say. Yeah, and, like I was really trying to, and I was like. I like it, I like even the French crooks. They're au revoir, silly cop. So dumb. <laughs> this is so dumb. Like I don't know if somebody got really high and really drunk. Oh, and was like, dude, man. Even when they swear, holy shit! I got this. The cold plunge is imminent. Good scratch, idea. It's like this thing. And it's like it's like a big blob, dude. And it's like all like looks like a giant scrotum sack. And he's got teeth. And he does look like a nutsack. And it just and it stinks. But uh, I mean, there is a little bit of a charm in this comic, like like some of the old timey um, 
talk and like there's one time one scene the cop is sleeping and instead of like drawing z's coming out of him or snores yeah it's sawing log so that's like the yeah. old timey saying for snoring sawing logs. like yep. sawing wood yep you know what i mean or you know yep. what i mean sawing some logs i i agree with you it is there is a, some charm to it and i think that's kind of what i i think this kind drew of, me to it yeah i definitely think this comic has uh a, a crowd it's that it targets yeah um it might be like an old mad tv style kind of targeting and it could be people like fans of robert crumb and um it's, it's honestly just it's weird, just weird dude over the it's not to be taken seriously at all it's just over the top silliness of a detective teaming up with a monster some monster from another dimension as his partner that's the best way of putting it fucking stupid sorry yeah. all right i hated it well that was vinegar teeth um so it's a definite uh, smash for John. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah, definitely not going to continue this uh, this journey on this one. I'm not either. Um, but <laughs> I, I liked it that just you know for some comedic relief for my week, I guess. Um, Weird man. But I'm I'm not going to continue on with it. It's just it's just a throwaway book. Vinegar teeth. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm not <clears throat> seeing vinegar teeth. I'm not seeing any value in it. Um, no. Mo- monetarily, you know. It's a number one. It's not worth collecting. It's Dark Horse. It's an original from them. Should have stayed in the Dark Horse vaults. Yeah, they were, must have been really bored on this one. Okay. I want to know. I want to know that the guy, like the guys who were like, yeah, this is let's great. do that. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tori, Tori Nixie or Troy Nixie. Sorry, Troy Nixie, Damon Gentry, Guy Major, and no, uh, no qualms against them. They got their book published. So awesome. Yeah. Um, I find no redeeming qualities about this book. Okay. On my end. All right. Well, good. good. <laughs> Hated it. Like I said, I, I just found it just a fun comic relief. I found it a real slog to get through. That's funny because <laughs> I don't I, even know if you read the whole thing. I did. Well, okay. I, well I did. I did because because uh, as I was reading it, I was like, dude, I want to stop. And you're just like, just get through it. And I'm just like, <laughs> fine. So then I got through it and I was like, nope. why the fuck did I do that? It was uh, so that's bad. That's awesome. Anyway, let's talk about one you did like, and I, I liked it as well, but I don't think as much as you. Yeah, I actually really like uh, enjoy this. Sometimes when reading a comic, I just want to read it to get through it. And like, right. um, I don't know, like just sometimes I just want to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. This one, though, like it grabbed me. Like I was like, ooh, all right. See, I was I was like, just want to get through it because yeah. I was like, it's a good story. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, we're talking about Abbott. Um, if you if we didn't say that, uh, yes, from Abbott, Boom Studios. Abbott number one from Boom Studios. Um, on a side note, I say anytime Boom puts out a number one, buy it. Boom Studios right. has that first uh, first look deal with like Paramount or something, uh, one of the movie companies. So they have exclusivity for their number one books to be made into film, television movie i think it sold out at the yes. local store here yep definitely sold out uh wasn't a whole lot of stock in this book in terms of um hot buzz yeah but i think this is the best book of the week uh we do have a close runner up with sync number four uh but this one really grabbed me I'll, um i'll definitely just go through this one we'll talk about it a little bit but um it's detroit 1972 well uh, we've got the nixon steps up bombing detroiters deployed blah 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 uh, segregation, Wallace wins Michigan. So, I mean, it's setting up, you know, the pieces of 1972 Detroit. You've got a, a montage of, like, the cars and the car industry 
and uh, people walking down the street, and then uh, you've got a, a person saying, you know, going out of business, and then you've got a community breakfast place, so you know, poor people are eating at a at a community hall. So it's setting the stage, just letting you know what time and year yep. and the events that are happening. Yeah, just montage kind of cover page. I, yeah, I kind of totally missed that. I just flipped right to the first page. Oh, of the that's story. all right. So. You know, I didn't even notice that it was from 1972. Yeah, and that's what immediately grabbed me on this one is uh, that cool setup and that little montage. And, like, I don't know, it kind of, like, um, lit the fuse to the powder keg. Right. Because Detroit, um, nothing wrong with, you know, like, I, I don't want listeners to be mad at me for jogging on. But Detroit is a powder keg, you know what I mean? Cause like, it was, yeah. It's, you know, it, it was something that... Everything was going right there, yep. and then everything imploded. You know what I mean? Like yeah, in terms of the city, you know, it's, it's one of those cities that went bankrupt. You know what I mean? Like yep. the whole town, the the car industry bottomed out, um, the racial tensions got so high. You know, things like that. So that's what I liked about this. It set a mood. But uh, Abbott is about a uh, African American uh, reporter who's female, and uh, we go up onto this uh, Palmer Park, ten fifty a.m. Where there's been a crime. <laughs> yeah. A crime has occurred. Right off the bat, this is why I had to go back and look at the cover page again, because the language in it was, so you think this was Negroes, Black Panthers, maybe? <laughs> and yeah. I was like, what? So there's these reporters, and they're all talking to like, this police chief about what's going on here. And yeah, they're, they're trying to pin it on the Black Panthers. So there's, again, yeah, setting and a racial tension. Yep. And yeah, it does say that at one point. The guy's like, oh, you think Negroes did this? <laughs> and Tyler's like, wait, what the fuck? I know. I was reading it while sitting here with John, and I'm like, and he hadn't read it yet. And I'm like, you got to see this. The language is so weird. <laughs> yeah, he had to go back and I'm check like, the I'm like, do people even talk line. like this at all? It's like, at one point, she uses the word jive, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but what happened here is uh, one of the police horses was mutilated. Right. So she's there to report on it, and um, she's been known as the... Uh, kind of shake the rafters reporter, you know. Yep. She works for a, a quote-unquote white man's newspaper, but she's the black influence there to sell it to the, you know, yep. the masses rather than telling the story in black and white kind of thing. Because, mm -hmm. again... They talk about they talk about their black readership of this paper later on in the issue. Yeah. Um, but as soon as she sees the dead horse, it's basically torn in half and just the head and the shoulders are left. Yeah. She and she has weird a weird vibe. reaction to it. Yeah. She she gets all like uh, scared of it for a second. It's kind of got this like weird ethereal smoke emitting from and it. And that, that panel is what made me think of uh, – it definitely drawn like a 70s comic. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. The colors are good. Um, and the faces are drawn like old – Old uh, Spider-Man comics. That and like old like Rex Morgan PD. Yes. You know. Uh, MD. Yeah, MD. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rex Morgan MD uh, news strips. It's, That's how, kind of how the faces are drawn, which yeah. is cool. I like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she gets this weird creepy vibe from this uh, mutilated horse head, which anybody would, but she gets a little bit more, you know. Yes. There's more of a, a psychic thing going on here. And then the photographer she's talking to is kind of an older white guy, and she's like, geez, you're all right? Like never seen you react to a dead body like that let alone a dead horse and she's yep. like yeah i'm good it's just kind of reminded me of something so uh anyway uh, we jump over to uh broadway's black star diner i know so, i just saw that in the black and diner are both in the color black and yep. broadway's star is in green yes well i mean you got to put yourself that's i think why this comic uh, is doing a really good job is it sets that tone in 1972 i mean it's basically it's like black diner yeah this I is mean, where you this need was to eat right after you know right after the real 
big segregation stuff, you know, yep. in the sixties, you know, and there was, and there was the white on black crimes and yep. um, things like that. So, I mean, it was still very racially charged time where people were on one, uh, one side of the fence and the other staring at each other. There wasn't really, um, yeah, it was just tension, they, racial they, tension. They, yeah. They say this in the book too, that it's, you know, Detroit is definitely two cities, yeah. a white guy city and a black guy city. You yeah. Know? And absolutely. There's a black diner and, and, um, Everybody who's eating there is black. Like that's yep. the white people just don't go there. Yeah. It's not that they couldn't. It's just that's the stigma. Yep. You know. I love this. I love this uh, diner um, kid who is flirting with her, yeah. trying to say like, "You need a guy at home that appreciates <laughs> a strong, independent woman." <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, "You need a young brother, baby." And then uh, she's talking about uh, ordering the same thing she always gets. And then he's like, why don't you order something different? And she, this is a, something they bring up in the comic multiple times where she's saying, well, you know, I habits, I got to keep order you yep. know, in my life. Order yep. she, is, she appreciates order. It keeps out the chaos. Yes. Order keeps the chaos at bay. And she brings that up later in the comic. But anyway, um, she flirts with him for a sec, or she, he flirts with her for a second. She shoots him down pretty quick. And then his dad shows up. Yeah, and just, his, he's not, he's not uh, smooth in front of women. Yeah, he's like, no, don't worry about him. He gets a little crazy, a little stupid. <laughs> um, but they talk back and forth about this crime that happened. And then, of course, again, pinning it on the blacks and uh, the white man trying to, you know, make, spin it yeah. and um, make it about... Uh, black militants which were at the time were the black panthers yeah uh and she just says you know i'm gonna figure it out so don't worry i'm on the case kind of thing and then uh downtown 2 53 p.m doing a nice little time jump she's walking down the street smoking a cigarette as everybody did in 1972 i know even if i noticed pregnant, that throughout this issue everybody's is smoking she, she's in it since it's mostly on her she's got a cigarette every panel almost everyone yeah yeah i mean but that that's the times man everybody was smoking back then people were smoke people could smoke in their offices you know uh -huh. um but anyway she is going to meet her news editor uh and just kind of give him the scoop on what she found out and she walks in and a couple of her coworkers are like hey abbott hey abbott and uh she walks by the receptionist who's like oh if you want to go right in he's actually getting reamed by you know some of his higher ups so <laughs> she's like i would love to so she walks right in and these guys are sitting there giving this guy the business about hey what the hell's going on we told you like not to write anything about this that puts us in a, a bad blight yep and by us he means white people of course yeah and then uh she shows up behind him and now there's this triangular conflict of like yeah because he said she said why are you doing this kind yeah of thing. they say well you know uh speak of the devil and she yeah. walks in and you know she's trying to defend why she wrote what she wrote because it's the truth it's the truth yeah yeah that a white cop beat this kid yeah exactly um all in all though the conversation just goes into the into the realm of just we'll talk later kind of thing yeah so. kind of a big argument ensues and and the higher up storm out of the office and it's just uh the editor and her left alone to kind of talk about things about how things need to go going forward she has to be her own camera woman and she can't you know, they can't afford to pay a photographer to go with her. And um, she's complaining that she's the only one so far that's had to make those kind of sacrifices. Yeah, and then um, he's he kind of throws that back in her face. Like, yep. everybody's making sacrifices right now. The economy's in the dumps. Yep. He's kind of telling her, you're lucky to even have a job like this here. So yep. uh, he asks her if he wa she wants a drink. She's like, I told you before, I only have my two brandies every night. And that's it. And then she brings in that order thing again. She says, routines. Yep. 
it's my order. I need it in my life. So um, they talk a little bit more. Uh, he basically just says, go home, write the story how you'd write it. You know, he's not trying to um, change her or change the way that she that she writes. He he actually endorses her to do what she thinks is right, which is cool in this book. I really like how uh, there's, yes, there's those white people in this book that are the classic white man trying to keep the black man down, mm -hmm. but there's also uplifting white characters that are support characters for her as a strong female black woman yep. that say, do your thing. You know, I believe in you and I trust you to do the right thing kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but she goes home, and then um, I like this in the book. They got this little cigarette, or the ashtray, and it gets more and more cigarettes. So yeah. that's a timestamp without having a timestamp kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, how long she's working on her story. Yeah, and she's typing up her story and typing up what's going on with this uh, mutilated horse situation. And um, she gets done with it. So it's midtown, 7.45 p.m. She's going down to Cheese Restaurant <laughs> to have her brandy. And uh, she says, uh, walks in, says... Mr. Lincoln Chi, it's good to see you. He's like, oh, you mean it's nice to see my brandy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my, my uh, Chinese impression is going to be great. <laughs> Hopefully he's Chinese and not Japanese. Well, he's definitely um, making a joke at her alcoholism. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So oh, she, but She's there of, every night for these two brandies. Yeah, it's part of her, it's part of her thing. She drinks one here, yep. finishes it, and go home and ha goes home to have a second one. Yep. And that's pretty much her name. But they just talk for a second about her showing up and her routine. Yeah. And then uh, another timestamp, we go to Brush Street. It's 9.15. She's coming back home. And um, she sits down. She puts on this John Coltrane album, which yep. as she falls asleep, so listening to it, I think that triggers this strange memory that starts to happen. Yeah. A Love, um, a love Supreme is yeah. the album. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, there's this cool dream sequence uh, where she's with her lover. Yeah. Who, what's his name? Samir. Yeah. We don't so, know if they were married or dating. Or... Yeah, we really don't know what, what's going on here. There's definitely a backstory that we, we're not filled in on, but this gives us a nice little glimpse. Mm -hmm. And um, I like how they broke the panels up in this one uh, awesome. with this uh, scarf kind of flowing through. Yeah, really cool. It's like an ascot. Yeah. And then it's, uh, you know, waving in the, uh, the page, and that's what's breaking it up. But the first panel or the first uh, section is them kind of cuddling on the couch and being lovers. Just chatting. Yeah. And like, you know, just enjoying each other's company and then the next page things start to intensify really quickly like the next frame is she's like he's like carving on a tree yep and she's like i don't understand what are you carving what are you doing what do you mean we're in danger he's like i'm carving wards magical symbols that will protect you when i'm not here this is the first point that i kind of realized this wasn't a straight up like um news reporter detective story yeah like a straight um, up like lois lane type thing yeah i i was like i wonder why john likes this is what i was thinking because <laughs> you had told me like you got to read this and as i was reading this i'm like okay it's 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 fine it's just doesn't seem like his thing and then this, this is, was the first time where they're curving these magical symbols on there i'm like whoa this just took a weird turn you know yeah, exactly um this is very uh Reminiscent of a book called Black Magic, mm. where she's a female detective and she solves kind of supernatural crimes. Yeah. But this one's just got the African-American spin on it. So, uh, but yeah, uh, that's the second frame is him carving these magical wards. And then the third frame is like him getting enveloped by this crazy darkness with like faces and arms. And he's, he's just like, run away. And she's like, Samir, no. I know. It's very <laughs> strange what happened to him. But but it's told but it's so quickly memory, and you know? so fast. Uh, there's tons of backstory we don't know here. Yeah. And then, of course, the phone rings and wakes her up from this nightmare. And um turns out it's James, who is a uh, higher up in the police uh, 
hierarchy mm-hmm. and uh, tells her that he needs she needs to come down to this crime scene right yeah. away and it's like three o'clock in the morning yeah before it gets covered up and that there's no no one that reports on it he wants yep. her to be there so she goes down to this place it's the cast corridor at 3 45 a.m uh she gets there she gets stopped of course by a couple of pis and um they're like what are you doing here lady and she's like, I'm with, you know, I'm with press. James told me to come down here. Yep. And then they're, of course, giving her the whole 1970s male business. Chauvinistic. Of, What's a woman doing here? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You should be in a kitchen. You it's know what I mean? It's the man's world. Yeah, exactly. So James comes up and uh, he, also a black man, uh, invites her through, pushes her through, uh, goes up to the crime scene. And he's like, I just wanted to let you know about this before somebody either covers it up or makes it disappear. Uh, and he's like, I got to warn you. You know, I know you're a hard woman. You've seen a lot of shit, but there's not much of this guy left. I know. And she looks into the door, and it's literally just a torso, or the, or the bottom half of a torso of a man. Yeah. And it's got that same crazy ethereal smoke that the horses had had earlier in the book. Yeah. And she, of course, just loses it. She's like, oh, God. Like, oh, no. My first reaction was, oh, this is the opposite of the horse, because the horse was the head, this is the legs, you know, kind of thing, or this is Kinda. the bottom. Um, so that makes me think that they might be connected in some way maybe it, it's it's ritualistic for sure yeah because of that at first it was the head and now we're, we're leaving the legs um but this smoke that she sees is like coming at her and like reaching at her yep and she's like not again and then of course this is happening in front of those two white guys in the in the hall so they think oh look at the lady you know what i mean yep. she can't handle her shit yeah nobody so. else can see this just her this yep. uh this smoke kind of thing yep and then uh, James says, all right, we need to take a walk. Like, you need to get some air. So he just thinks she was shocked from this thing. Yeah. Um, but then they are sitting by the by the car having a cigarette, and she kind of opens up about their past. Turns out her and him used to be married themselves. Yeah. And he actually knows the story about Samir and, like, this magical bullshit that she, that she saw. Yeah. So, whether or not he believes it as a person is remains to be seen, but I think it's his confidence that shows in the in the writing of him just like talking to her. Yep. That it's not that he believes it, but that the she believes it, he, and he believes in her kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he knows that she believes it. That she's not just making this up. Right. And whether or not he believes it is the second story is another story. But he believes in her kind yeah, of thing. So there's the, something going on. There's a there's a trust and a confidence here, yeah. even though they're uh, divorced. Um, but basically, they just kind of have it out for a second, talk about it. She says, brings up this whole smoke thing that took Samir. And he's like, well, you need to go home and get some rest. You know, I've had a long day. And he's like, you want me to walk you home? She's like, no, I'm, I'll be fine. So... She's walking down the road, and she kind of has one of those little vibes again. Yep. And she sees this smoke going through uh, an alleyway. And she's like, oh, my God, whatever you are, I've got you now. So she's chasing <laughs> it now. She's chasing it after it. Yep. And she comes into this alley, and nothing's there. And she's trying to, like, rationalize it to herself. She's like, all right, Elena, you're not crazy. You're just in an alley at 4 a.m. talking to yourself. You're okay. Like, <laughs> And then um, she turns around starts to walk away. And she gets shoved down to the ground, and uh, as we turn around, and a nice reveal on our last page, she turns around, and there's this crazy-looking cultist guy holding a knife, yeah. and the smoke is all around him. She's on the ground, and uh, he's saying some weird, ritualistic, crazy shit. It's not in English. It's all in this weird 
archaic language. Right? I have no idea. If he kind of reminds me of the Red Skull from Marvel Comics, you know? A little bit. This is super 70s horror film, too. Yes. Yep. You know, the black robe and the curved knife and the obnoxious mask. Like, this yep. is straight out of, like, a exploitation horror film from the 70s. So, yep. And that's where our comic ends. He's right above her, about to, you know, kill her, and says, to be continued. So I think this is uh, the coolest comic of the week. Do you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. This, this is, It oozes... Uh, just 70s and uh exploitation film and like uh you were saying shaft earlier kind of yeah, thing yeah it kind of gave that you know a little bit bum, bum, chicka, bum, chicka, bum. Right? yeah has <laughs> that no, you absolutely. know 70s bass going on and like it immediately gripped me funky from the, bass line over the top of it um yeah, immediately gripped me from the from the beginning and definitely I think it some was... fun historical fiction you know around that time mm-hmm. and, and especially in detroit um where you know, racial segregation in the North was heavy, heaviest, you know. So. Yep, absolutely. I thought this was really brilliant. And I think if you can find it, buy it. I really think this book has a lot of potential later on, uh, especially being the Boom Studios number one and just how raw and real and gritty this was. It was really cool. And mm-hmm. um, when I, just, you're... I think for me, after I finished it, and what, what my takeaway of not feeling like it was great for me was that the setup for her character took the majority of the book and like you didn't really get into the meat of what was going on with the supernatural stuff till maybe the last quarter of it. And I would have liked to seen that a little earlier. I hear you. I think, I think, I think the opposite. I think you have to build her, her up as a, as a strong female character before you introduce that stuff or else you are going to fall into some of the, you're just going to get lost in the myriad of other, female detective books because like there are there are a bunch of them you know i brought up black magic by greg rucka yep and um i'm not saying that's a bad book people actually really praise that book but if you don't take the time to set her up as a strong character yeah you're not going to believe in her and like care about her at the end where she's about to get stabbed you know what i mean like yep if you don't have a vested interest in her as a character and her as a woman um uh, you're not going to care that she's on the ground in peril you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it... They did do a good job of that, because I mean, by the end, you feel like you really knew her. You yeah, know? you know her. You know her yep. You know her personality. You know her habits. You, you feel like you've been taking this journey with her, rather than the author and the artists uh, pushing the journey to you kind of thing. Yep. You've, been, you've been taking a long way. You've them, definitely... So. Yeah, you've definitely been just kind of like a fly on the wall through her daily life for a couple yeah, days. Exactly. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. I and thought it was good. That's okay. You know, we were at odds on vinegar teeth, so because that book sucked. Vinegar teeth was a um, acquired taste, really. You, you had to uh, vinegar is an acquired taste. I think that's the point of the book. Um, so I want to talk about imaginary fiends. Yes, please um, do. I, I did been, not. I did not uh, read this one this week. Um, I absolutely loved imaginary fiends number one. Yep. I do have number two sitting at home. Haven't read it, and uh, I'll let Tyler dive into Imaginary Fiends number three. Okay, so this one uh, came out this week, and um, so in the last couple issues, we were introduced to Polly Peach Pit, that imaginary Who was friend. Awesome. Yep, and then in issue two, we we're um, introduced to Charlie Chokeberry or Choke Choke Cherry Choke Cherry. Anyway, um, wait, wait, wait. If you were an imaginary friend now, yep, come up with your imaginary nickname. I don't know. I, I don't know. Tyler what? Teardrop. Tyler, what? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Mine, mine would be Johnny Jingle Jangle. Jingle Jangle Johnny. I don't know. Well, anyway, it talks about how, you know, before um, they were imagined uh, by kids, they they were entities floating in this 
abyss of nothingness. There's okay. no no state of being, no self-consciousness. They just exist in a single point. And, and they're everywhere at the same time. There's no sense of time. Kind of like the Big Bang. They're outside, yeah. They're outside of time itself. Um, but then as um, they take form as um, children start to imagine them. So Polly Peach Pit um, was imagined first, and then she brought over her boyfriend, um, Charlie Chokecherry, and then they lived awesomely until Charlie was being thought of less because basically the girl that thought of them, Melba, she really um, liked Polly Moore as an imaginary character that she thought of. Sure. And so she just lent all of her time and effort into pretending Polly was there and not Charlie. So, so Charlie, Charlie went back. Charlie just yeah went back into the ethereal. And then a while later, um, a friend of uh, Melba's found a notebook filled with Charlie drawings and Charlie this and that. And so he was recreated in a friend of the family that knew Melba and, and, and uh, things like that. And so that's where Charlie was brought back. Um, and now he's trying to get back with Melba because he feels like Melba is the one who let him go and he wants to punish her and punish Polly for not sticking with him. That's a great concept too. Yeah. Just, uh, it does kind of remind me a little bit of preacher just because God in that book is a, uh, selfish asshole yeah. who absolutely needs the love of humanity to prove his existence to, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And so char Yeah. Th this is the thing. If kids don't believe in them, then they don't exist. Kind of like uh, Drop Dead Fred. Right, exactly. And so now back to the story, you know, ongoing story of Melba as an adult. She's this helping this detective along to figure out these supernatural type things that are going on. And the detective believes her that Polly Peach Pit is real, that, that she can see Polly Peach Pit. And I could just say Polly, but I like saying Polly Peach Pit. You know? It's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> It's so uh, much fun. Okay. So, I can't wait to be Jingle Jangle Johnny. Yep. So uh, the night before, Melba was having enough of Polly, so she got herself drunk because she felt like if she, could, <laughs> she could drink enough, she could get rid of Polly being, you know, uh, being, in her head, being in her head all the time. And so the next day at a crime scene, uh, Melba throws up all over herself. Awesome. Yeah. And then, um, you know, she's trying to say, oh, I'm just not feeling well lately. And the partner with her goes, no, it's the Jim Beam. I can smell it. <laughs> uh, need I remind you that you're 18, Agent Lee, mm. and on duty. Um, so. Ah, whatever. We were all 18 once. And she goes, she goes, I went to a bar because I'd never been to one. And my FBI badge says I'm 23. <laughs> <laughs> Using... The perks of the job right well, there. Well, it was funny because in the last episode, she thought when it the drink was called neat, she assumed that meant it was, you know, neat as in cool. As in, oh, sure. In nice, you know. Yeah. And uh, she didn't know what a neat drink really meant, so unfortunately she had a lot of them. Uh, and then she goes, it turns out neat means just means all alcohol. Yeah, exactly. Just straight up. And... Um, <clears throat> So she didn't know how much to drink to get buzzed, to get rid of um, the voices in her head. So Melba's still there, and Melba's mad at her for um, poisoning herself, as he calls it, to get rid of her. 
And so she goes in the bathroom to clean herself up and, and, uh, Polly and her start talking about this case they're working on. And, uh, Melba tells her it's the, it's the, um, park ranger. He's in on the disappearance of this kid. And, and, um, I just had a brain freeze for a second. Oh, brain freeze. So, so she relays that to the detective. We need to help and Tyler then, teardrop out clips. Yeah. <laughs> Clap your hands if you believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, she goes back to the inn that they're staying at. And um, the homeowner of this inn um, is making tea. And she's like, you want some tea, Melba? And she's like, no, thank you. And she goes, it's a good thing, too. Isn't it, Omari, her little kid? We've only got one bag left because August forgot to replenish them. Um, August is her... Um, deaf housekeeper oh, okay. person who's supposed to be um keeping stuff in stock in the house you know Indeed. she goes i swear that baby girl uh gets sillier every day if she wasn't deaf and dumb i'd kick her to the curb <laughs> <laughs> uh on on uh, melba's computer screen though she's watching a news report of the kid they're looking for justin um she's watching justin's family talk about the kind of kid he was and how nice he was and how he um um, had such strong emotions towards people who were in trouble. And they felt like that was so bad that he went to school and was picked on every day, you know? Um, but Polly's definitely got some feelings on that. It was the ranger that did this. Um, so definitely, I don't know, the imaginary friend fiend <laughs> can, yeah. can see more than Polly can. Cause she didn't notice anything wrong with the ranger. So her uh, detective partner, he's out back at the campsite um, looking for um, clues. And his phone starts vibrating. It's Melba. But he sees someone uh, pouring gasoline or pouring something into a hole. And he goes over there to investigate. Oh, shit. It, but um, as he gets closer to this hole, he's hit by like a, what I call like a force field where he he's hit with like all these drug effects and... Um, and he's just starting to fall down. It's like he was drugged, but it happened at the minute he crossed near this hole and he's chasing this guy. And, um, he basically sees a whole bunch of stuff at once, basically the whole crime scene all at the same time. And he finds in the hole that it was Ranger Sands, the Ranger that they're accusing. <gasps> but, dare they? but this body is completely, um, skin and bone, skin and bone. It's no skin, just bones. Oh yeah. Anyway. So back at the, uh, the inn Melba's getting ready to take a shower just relax and get get her mind off things and a whole bunch of people jump out of the bathtub with cat masks on scary yeah they come out from behind the shower curtain and uh take her away and uh Polly Peachpit is downstairs she doesn't know that this is happening this is happening and she hears the thump and she and she goes Melba my girly Melba <laughs> just as they're being taken away and her whole body, her whole body, like, kind of puffs out with spikes and stuff. She's a spider character. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And then as she's about to go out the window after Melba, from behind her, Bali. Oh. And she shit. turns around and it's Charlie Choke Cherry. Oh man. Anyway, and then Melba's realizing that, or not Melba, but Polly's realizing she wasn't the heroine of this story. It was no longer her story at all. Dun, so dun, dun. Charlie is strong again because of the belief in him from his previous. This continues, to be, this continues to be one of the most uh, innovative books I've seen in a long time. You know, and I don't, I know I'm not doing it justice by my descriptions of things. Oh, you're good, but man. But it's so, it's so 
much, it's so in depth and it's so cool. And the drawings uh, are great and the character designs are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the drawings of Polly and Charlie, the imaginary fiends, yep. if you will, are super cool. The creature design here is really great. Um, the I, connection between um, Cameron, um, the, the guy who believes in Charlie, and Melba is that when Melba was a kid, Polly Peachpit talked her into trying to murder Cameron's sister, younger mm -hmm. sister. And so it's all, they're all connected from childhood, this trauma of his sister being, um, trying to be killed. And yeah, this would make a really great television series. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, his, his name is Brink. His sister was Cameron. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's been a while too. Since yep. The issue number one came out two months ago at this point. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. I mean, it was a while. But, um, this is the really like, tr like big triumphant return of Vertigo comics. Yeah. The from Verti DC. Vertigo hasn't put out any, um, new content in a few years. Most of their stuff was moved over to the DC mainstream stuff. And that, and also, uh, they've started a new sector called the DC Young Animal. Oh, That's, I haven't heard that. Um, they do like Doom Patrol and Mother Panic and stuff and okay. like Gerard Way, okay. uh, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Yep. They've got him back on board to do stuff. Oh, cool. So, they're targeting the more edgy crowd. Like, I don't know. Not edgy, I guess. Just what? millennials, okay. I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? But like younger millennials. Yeah. Because I, I am considered a millennial, but I don't feel like... Well, and you, you know, know what I mean? I was always told I was part of Generation Y. And when I look at the... When I've looked at the descriptions... Apparently, Generation Y, their name was changed to Millennial, and I thought they were two different things, but apparently they're not. I don't know. It's weird. I thought Gen Y was like the kids were eating Tide Pods and shit. No, that, those, are, <laughs> those are Millennials. Those, I don't want to be with those people. No, those, those people are dumb as shit. Uh, don't eat Tide Pods, you stupid fuck. Wait, why, why do we have to tell people this? I don't, because apparently you have and, to. And here's the thing. When did this, how, why, and where did this start and why? I don't know. Was this, uh, someone told me it was a YouTube thing. Where, yeah, it was. People were you to see if you could bite into it. People mm -hmm. are doing it for YouTube views. Yep, but, but why? You know. I, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You should, get some, you should get some, uh, wash that down with some bleach. That'll solve your problem. I know, you know. <laughs> There's all kinds of great memes out there yeah. uh, about the Tide thing, but I just don't get it. Um, yeah, Vertigo kind of went bye-bye for a while. A long time. And I was bummed because Vertigo titles were cool. And and um, <clears throat> I was bummed when DC kind of put well, them down the back burner. They were the leader in uh, the dark side of comics, you know? Yeah. Uh, Transmetropolitan, Preacher, uh, the list goes on and on for uh, for their stuff. I mean, they did yep. so much cool content. Yeah. And they were the... Um, they were the comics your parents told you not to read kind of thing. What I liked about Vertigo, as opposed to the main DC branch, was that Vertigo wasn't a an overarching world. No. Each title was its basically own. its own. You know, yeah. um, and things have changed now. Of course, yeah. They when you know they obviously they've started shifting Watchmen characters into the DC mainstream, and they've also done. Um, God, who else did what other Sandman? Title? Sandman. And um, Constantine was a while ago, but and I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just the like laid back consumerist in me that like I'm not so aggressive about it because like some people get really aggressive about it and like those characters have no business being together. Yeah, how dare they? And like I'm just like, dude, 
It's fucking book. Yeah. Like, it's comic. It's meant for entertainment. If you don't like it, there's other books for you to read. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's at the end of the day, it's entertainment, and it's meant to give you something to do for 20, 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my... <laughs> that's... I, I know it's pretty black and white, but if, am I entertained? Awesome. If not, I'll move on. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. So... You know, as far as storytelling goes, you know, I, I take in all different kinds of media from comics to books yeah. to movies to um, anything to get a story. And my brain works the best when I can, can cartman, car, compartmentalize compartmentalize uh, things into nice, neat packages. Yes. So you've got Walking Dead and then you've got, you know, this story and this story and this story. And I like that. So for me, with the big companies, DC and Marvel... Uh, it almost seemed too big. I almost want to be like, where Can't do I keep track where even start? You know, yeah. because with every title, there's a crossover. With every crossover, there's a, an event. And with every event, there's an, you know, it's like, holy shit. Well, I get it. You're a reader that likes to sit down, look at the book in front of him, and get your mind ready for that world. Like, yeah. okay, I need to put myself in this mental mindset to read this book. Yep. You know, when you read like The Realm, you know, you need to know. The Realm. Yeah, you need to know what's going on in that world and like think in your head, okay, this is what's happening in this world. Yeah. I saw their and new issue you... of Realm coming out next week. New issue? Yeah. All right. I wonder if I should get back. I read the first two issues and didn't really... Yeah, it didn't really me. stick with you. I thought it was a cool fantasy uh, cool fantasy book. Yep. We are on the verge of a new like apocalyptic book. I mean, they're getting a lot of them nowadays, uh -huh. but it's Robert Kirkman's new uh, one called... Uh, I heard the title. Yeah, I did. What was it? End song or something or yeah. sky song. Or... Speaking of, you know, Rob, Robert sorry. Kirkman, um, he's ending. Um, does he written the last issue of of uh, Invincible yet? Or yeah, Invincible is going to end. Yes. Yeah. So I'm wearing my Invincible T-shirt today because I was reading uh, Invincible earlier today. It's one of the superhero books I really like because it's you know on Image Comics. It's not one of the big DCs, so it's 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 a superhero book that kind of tongue-in-cheek really at superman <laughs> right you know absolutely uh and um yeah i don't know i i really just like 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 sync here mm -hmm. there's gonna be a one two three four five you know and that's it it's gonna go to whatever number and there's not gonna be all these tie-ins and there's not gonna be um um these i don't know all this mm, fluff yeah you know i hear you and that brings us into sync number four though our last book of the week um I'm kind of bummed that I bought the cover that I bought because I didn't even know that the cover <laughs> you have is way gorier. Is super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at him right now. My cover has the four kids that are in the issue. The young team. The young team. And they've all got a weapon of some kind. And then you've got the sync logo underneath it. Brilliantly designed. Whereas um, John's cover has the fox mask bleeding down onto a character underneath the sync logo. Mr. Dig. There's just, oh, it's just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, be jealous. I am. Cool. Yep. Anyway. What is this, what cover is mine? Does it even say Yeah, you have the A cover. Okay. I think. Uh, yes, I have the, um, I think this was the incentive one. Okay. So, like a Comics Tribe, Comics Tribe incentive. Okay, uh, so Comics Tribe, um, have you seen any more titles from them besides just this? Because I remember when this came out, we were like, Comics Tribe, who are these people? Uh, I know they do have more titles. The uh, the names of those titles are eluding me right now because okay. I was actually thinking about them earlier. And then uh, right when we were about to talk about this, I was like, fuck, what are the names of those? 
screw it. I don't need to know. Like, okay. right. <laughs> so they're not like super huge, big, important. This is definitely the biggest hit that Comic Stripes had. So I think in this, recent memory, I think this, you know, I don't know. Is this going to be a limited series? I hope not. I, I hope they keep going. I mean, to me, this could be the next Walking Dead. This it's, could, it's, absolutely. This could be the next horror anthology show when people get tired of American, American horror, horror stories story. bullshit. Yeah, American know? Horror Story is just getting convoluted. Well, what the problem with American Horror Story is it's no longer about the story. It's about the celebrity guests now. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, uh, who are they going to get next? Is it, is it going to be Cher? Madonna? Yeah. Pink? That's the thing. Britney with, Spears? With Lady Gaga. Did you watch that season? No. Okay. And not, I actually like Lady Gaga, and I like American Horror Story, but uh, at a certain point, I just stopped caring. That watching. is the season where I feel like it jumped a shark. I was just like, this is stupid. They yeah. only, this, the, who cares? That, <laughs> and she's, she's, to me, she's not attractive, but she was supposed to be this attractive character in this um, hotel that's seducing all these men. And, is she a succubus? Yeah, kind of. Ooh. Uh, you know, I don't know. It was just not my cup of tea. You know? I heard uh, I heard people like this this uh, most recent season though, just because it the, was the Roanoke one. No, uh, the one after that. I yeah, seen. Uh, people were saying it was very you know with the times. So it was very yeah. politically charged. Yeah, so. um, I haven't got to watch the one that's on currently because I don't have cable. So the current one on Netflix is um, Roanoke, which um, kind of ties into the American history of the Roanoke colony, the lost people after uh, some of them went back to England and they came back and their colony was completely decimated and there was nobody left, but they couldn't find any bodies. I mean, it was just completely abandoned. Deserted. Deserted. Yeah. And so history's mysteries. Yeah. But this is, but this um, season that I'm talking about of American horror story is a current, current story, but it, plays off of events that happen early American history. So I got you. So I got you. But uh yeah, I mean, I think sync is definitely the next big thing in horror. I hope I think um, so too. And I and I really hope that this is picking up um besides just the two of us. Because I Oh yeah, this is because I I think this is great. This comic is really a buzz on the internet. Yeah. Um I know how to use it. I know how to use the Googles. Yep. I mean you 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 uh you up on the interwebs and the Googles and I'm up I mean I'm on chat snap. Okay. I'm on Bookface. Okay. Um, um, I'm on Snapback uh, Hats. I'm on the Tweet.com. Okay. Yep. The, the, yep. the tweeters. Yeah. I even a tweet I, face. I even got my MySpace back up and running. <laughs> that Your shit's MySpace. hot, dude. Is it back? Oh no, I'm just kidding. Okay. I, I they tried to bring MySpace back. Did they? Yeah. Uh, with like Ti and like uh, Pharrell Williams and stuff. They they tried to bring it back hard, and they did these big lengthy lengthy commercials with like big budgets and was like really? my space get your space back like i didn't even hear about this oh it was on for like a week, <laughs> for a week. <laughs> it was awesome man, i was like man i should go back whatever happened I, to tom you know what's tom doing now uh actually he <laughs> sold my space for like a billion dollars or some shit yeah and like uh he was like famously on uh like resurfaced on twitter okay. where some guy was like Whatever happened to Tom? That dude probably is living in his mom's basement. And the actual Tom replied back and was like, "Actually, fuckface, I, I, I sold MySpace for like a billion dollars, bought my own island. Peace out, bitch." Like, <laughs> well, you know, so, MySpace was um, it was revolutionary at the time. You know, well, early two thousands. He was the first to it before Facebook. It's I know. Just, uh, Facebook got monetized faster. And Facebook did it better. Yeah, he cleaned it up. Yeah. So and uh, made it more. Uh, Made it more not about the 
decorating your own web page kind of thing because mm -hmm. MySpace was a very customizable you, personal page. Yeah, and you make it yours and yeah, and you can do video clips and sounds after and backgrounds. A while, it worked and, really well for bands and and musicians yeah, and things like that. And um, but now that um, oh, what's the one that's strictly for music? Um, sound not SoundCloud, but um, I don't know. I'll think of it, but. Um, yeah, Facebook now, I'm hoping it's dying. I'm, I, I hate it. <laughs> I'm only on it because it's you're basically cutting yourself off from the world if you're not. I mean, unfortunately, you know, that's how a lot of people get their news. I mean, uh -huh. I use it more of a tool than anything else. Uh -huh. I don't really share my life there. I really just use it as a tool for selling some books yep. or selling my shit that I don't want in my closet. Yep. You know, it's just a glorified Craigslist, you know well, what I mean? Since we've started this podcast, you know, I've I made Smash and Grab comics, Facebook and, oh, yeah. and Instagram and stuff like that. So that's where I use the fan pages. I use yeah. those the most. I don't use my personal one a whole lot anymore because I don't know. I don't I'm kind of out of that kind of thing. I just don't use it to post about my personal life. Yeah. Really anymore. Yep. But I use it just as like Oh, I'm a fan of this board game company. Yep. I want to see what they have coming out. Or I'm a fan of this comic shop. I want to see what they've got going on. You know, it's it's become less of a personal thing and more of a uh, just a digital mall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I will go on my personal account to like things that I like so that yeah. they get because I want those companies to succeed. You know, if I give them likes, that that generates into something else for them. Yeah, and then um, it's also how I watch movie trailers and shit. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, it's changed completely from from what it was. Yeah, because it's become monetized. You yeah, know? it's now a publicly traded company. Excuse me, I'm sorry, but publicly publicly traded company and all that jazz. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely changed from the original idea to now. For sure. Um, let's get into Sync. Yay! Yay! Uh, Sync number four is out this week from Comics Tribe. Okay. I have a better cover than Tyler. So this uh, comic, if you don't, if this is the first time listening, this comic is an anthology. So each issue is basically a brand new story with the same running um, theme. It's in... Um, Sink Hill. It's in Sink Hill in uh, Glasgow. Glasgow. Glasgow, Scotland. And um, um, there is Mr. Dig. He's yep. a central character. He's a... A recurring kind, character. kind of a anti-hero, and he wears a fox mask. Yeah, he's like the Punisher. Yep. And then there's also the clowns in the blue van. There's another... The um, scary clowns in the blue van. Yep. Okay, so here we are. Class, classroom setting. Four kids that are friends. They're kind of chit-chatting um, behind the teacher's back. Mm-hmm. And... The teacher's telling them that uh, there's been a disappearance of a, a kid. Of a student, yeah. And, and everyone needs to take this time to... Uh, be wary and be mindful of where you're doing or what you're doing, where you are and all that. And just think of this kid thoughts and prayers kind of thing. Change yeah. He Facebook was like, profile. I do not want to hear anything about clowns and blue vans. Yes. So, but these guys leave the class and they're all talking like, we got to go out and find him. We can do this. Um, we're going to go find these clowns in blue vans. And the dorky kid of the group was like, I saw a blue van once. And they're like, shut up, Jakey. <laughs> Jakey. No one's talking to you. Jakey. Yeah, it's funny, though, because like, they treat him like, like absolute garbage. You know, He's the poor kid kind of thing. Yep. Which is bad, but it's, this is, it's reminiscent of a real friendship in middle school or you know, high school you did know? you read the um the letter in the back from the writer no okay well he references uh stand by me yeah and, and he's like those group of friends you know there's 
and I loved Stand By Me. It was one of the first movies my mom let me watch that had swearing in it. Yeah, right. And then he also references Mean Creek, which I've never seen. So I want to go back and watch Mean Creek. Mean Creek. Um, does so, that have... I think that's got like some Nickelodeon stars, but that was like their first like it's a art film called Mean Creek. And if you enjoyed Young Team and you haven't heard it, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, I think uh, Mean Creek is about um, these group of kids that they're bullied and they bring the bully onto this like um, canoe trip. Yeah, and then they like stab him in the boat and shit. And they find out though crazy. that the that the um, the the bully character. Um, in the story really had um, uh, learning disabilities and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to this group of kids. So, you know, one of the kids is definitely the nerd of the group. You oh, know? yeah, absolutely. But they're all kind of just plotting, scheming, saying, hey, we should get a group together and we should go kill them crazy clowns. Right. Like, we could do it. We could do this. Yep. And then the one kid's like, you guys are fucking out of your mind. Like, I'm not doing this shit. See you later. And then the um, the quote-unquote leader kind of aggressive kid of the group is like fine if you don't show up tomorrow we're leaving without you man but if you want to this is where we're really meeting 9 a.m you gotta skip school yeah so and they're like martin was our friend and we have to avenge him and he's like well the other one's like there's no clowns and i'm not killing anyone and i'm pretty sure you're not either yeah so he storms off though and it uh we jump to the next panel on the next page and uh the kid who stormed off said he's not part of this shit uh He's sleeping in his house, and uh, he hears a creak in the hallway. So uh, he goes out to investigate, and the hallway is completely dark. And this really draws in the whole fear of the dark when you're a kid. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was absolutely mortified by the dark. Like, it scared balls out of me. Yeah? Like, oh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't sleep in the dark. It's just... I, I think I started watching horror movies too young, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. And uh, my imagination, even today, is, like, super strong. So, like, my mind gets turning, the gears get going. If I let like, myself do that, then I do get nervous to walk through my house in the dark. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm just getting up to pee, I will never... My bathroom work is on the first floor, and I am on the second floor. So, I got to yeah, yeah. go through 90% of my house. I got this huge old house, and... Super creaky, then. It's a super 120-year-old house, built in, like, 1880s, and... Um, you definitely got ghosts, then. Oh, we have a full-story third floor. And so, so, uh, I, I tell people it's haunted. They love it around Halloween. They, you know, people tell me that I, I need to turn on the creep factor of my house. Did I tell you this story around Halloween? No. Okay. This, I, at the time I was a student teacher and one of my students, uh, came to class and said, uh, Mr. Johnson. I said, yeah. And they're like, uh, you need to turn down the creep factor of your house. She was a little uh- eighth grader. And I said, really? I said, where do you know? How do you know where I live? And she goes, well, I'm friends with her. And the girl next to her is my neighbor. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So I kind of knew that then. And then, so I basically put up more Halloween decorations, more cobwebs around the rafters, more Everything. whatever. And so then I came back. I said, you see my house lately? She goes, yes. I thought you were going to make it less creepy. <laughs> and, she, and I said, well, the worst part is, I said, it's haunted. And she, her face went white. I mean, she definitely <laughs> believed me. <laughs> Uh, no, that's hilarious. But so I can go through my house in complete pitch black, not have to look at a thing and I won't run into anything. Right. That's what I love about a familiar space. You you just know. Yeah. And I like that about the dark. I don't need to um, turn everything on and light up the whole place. No, I hear you. 
nowadays the only time where I get like a little creeped out uh, walking around my house in the dark is if I wake up after a bad dream. Sometimes I will have bad dreams. It's generally when I eat like right before I go to bed. Like if I eat something right before I go to bed, yeah, like right before, I have terrible dreams. Like awful. Like nightmarish. Uh, if I sleep on my back. Ghoulish. Like really crazy. Okay. And I don't know if this is actually a thing or if it's psychosomatic since my grandma told me this. But she told me if you sleep on your back, you will have nightmares. And so... I, don't, I can't sleep on my back. No, me either. But I fall and I sleep on my back. Yeah. And before I've woken up to roll over, I, it's true. I have just crazy nightmares. I've woke up screaming before, you know, because, mm-hmm. and it's always, you know, sleeping on my back. So I don't know. Yeah. I've, I just have some crazy dreams. But then after you wake up, you're just laying there in the darkness and the silence. And then your mind starts like gearing and going and grinding. See, and mine? like my mind, apparently... When I wake up from a, a fucking nightmare that's awful, I don't stop. Th- I don't stop thinking about the nightmare. I just start running through the scariest shit I can think of in my head. Like, <laughs> hey man, remember that one movie where that ghost was all fucking scary and shit, jumped out of the closet? <laughs> yeah, I do. Thanks, brain. I'm sitting right next to the open closet that I can't see in because it's dark. I, love- I gotta pee. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> Not me. When I wake up from a uh, nightmare or something like that, I'm like, oh thank god, and then I'm like right back to sleep. No, dude. I mean, I thank God for saying like just like oh jeez think it was a dream and then my mind's just like hey man remember when you were a little kid michael jackson werewolf and shit oh yeah scary Uh, like you know it's like god damn it first time listeners last episode we went into a michael jackson rant uh about you will yes that's go back to last episode one of the most personal stories ever but anyway we're getting back to the book he's walking through his dark hallways creaky hallways and uh, he's getting skeeved out, and it's, like he, I said, he's heading to a different floor of the house, and he's like, "Is, is it a clown?" He I says, hope "It's not a clown." And then he turns the, page, well, when the reader turns the page. There's this big, like, clown-ish thing with millions of teeth, and yep. it just says, "I can be a clown." Yeah, it's scary. It's, and then of course he wakes up, ah, and it's just a dream. Uh, next morning, though, jump to the morning. Uh, the kids are meeting up in their little secret spot, and they're, like, uh, comparing weapons, like, what they brought to hunt these clowns down. What? And these are, like, middle school kids. I want you to, you know, Yeah, uh, they're, visualize like, 12, the, 13 years old. Yeah, visualize the, the uh, age group here. Um, but they're young kids, and this, uh, they're showing each other what they got. He's like, yeah, I brought my clown slaying weapons. I hope you did, too. And then he's got, like, a little shiv. And the girl, she's like, I got my, uh, hockey stick. my hockey stick. You know, I don't plan on killing anybody, but this can bust some faces. And then the one kid, he's like, well, I can't leave my school bag behind, so it's my weapon. I filled it with bricks. Yeah. And they're like, all right. Like, the worst weapon ever to carry across, you know, to, to go to the... Yeah, whatever. Um, so the kid that had the nightmare, he shows up, and they found a board that had nails nailed through one end of it, so yeah. you could use it as kind of a mace. All these nails, yeah. Um, so they're all happy that he showed up. They're like, what made you show up? And he's like, well, I thought maybe I could sleep better if I found if I knew there was no clowns. Yeah, if he could... If he could uh, justify, there's nothing here. Yep. So uh, they're walking. Th- they're walking through town. They're going to where the quote unquote clown hideout is, and uh, they're chumming it up. This is that very standby me moment where they're walking down the railroad tracks, kind of thing. Just yep. being uh, being kids. Yep. And you know, this is kind of where the innocence ends and the mayhem begins, because uh, they walk up on this place which we've seen in issue number two of Sync. Yeah. Uh, which is the uh, what do they call it here? Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's where all the BAMs and junkies hang out. Yeah. I don't know what a BAM is. but uh, I think that's just the it's like the, the Scottish way of saying bum. This is the speakeasy is what they speakeasy call it. Speakeasy is what they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So I think that's him saying bum. Okay. Bombs. Okay. Bombs. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, they call it the speakeasy, and you know we saw this in issue number two, uh, and it's a just cool callback to that. And yeah, especially this character that pops yeah, up out pops of the out bushes. bushes out of the, he's like, ah! shh. He's one of the he's one of the um, junkies from a previous issue, um, and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't no. have anything to do with the story it, except for they see him in the grass. Only the girl sees him too, and and he just goes shh. Yeah, and it's just like, what the fuck? I know. That's I was like, creepy. when I came to that, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, it's scary. It's kind of creeped me out. It's unsettling yeah. that these children are walking through this place. And, yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. These young kids, and they're walking by this tall grass, and this dude is sitting in the grass going, shh. Yeah, it's super creepy. But also, just cool callback. You know, this what really makes this great about being an anthology yeah. horror book. There's just these these uh, little connections that you know, like, okay, we're we're in the same world here. Yep. Yep, just little connections to the other uh, other stories. And uh, they're uh, moving down there to keep walking, keep walking. And the poor kid in the back, uh, <laughs> Jakey, he's got that bag of bricks. And he's like, can you guys slow down? I'm like, I can't keep up. And then the kid in the front's like, was your bright idea to bring a bag full of fucking bricks with you? Like, Idiot. stupid. And then, of course, uh, Craig, he comes back and he's like, well, I'll help you. He's like, uh, don't worry about him. He's just you know, mean. He's like, oh, I don't think he's mean. He always jokes around with me. I think he's a really nice person in the, you know, deep down. And he's like, um, I'm not sure he is. <laughs> I'm not sure that he is, Jake. So yeah. let's get going. But anyway, they come up on this building and then finally, uh, uh, what's his name? Let's see. Hard Deep. Hard Deep, which is a weird name. Uh, but anyway, Hard Deep says, look ahead. That must be the place. And then you flip the page and it's this giant factory that's just broken down, abandoned, uh, black. This They are out in daylight. The kids decide to go out in daylight. Um, so they're deciding who's going to go in first to look for the clowns. Right. And then finally they're like, Craig, you go in because you were the last one to show up in the group. So you go first. Uh, well, they don't find the clowns. They no. find Mr. Dick. Oh, this is, so, this is such a cool reveal. And I was like, oh, shit. But uh, Craig goes in, and uh, right as he walks into this this uh, derelict building, how lucky they picked the right door right, to walk exactly. in. And in that very first room, uh, there's Mister Dig with his fox mask on, and yeah. he's um, torturing a guy who's got strung up upside down from a rafter. And uh, he's like, "Come on in, bring your friends." <laughs> yeah, God, it's crazy. He's just like, "Hello there, little boy. Come on in, bring your friends." You ever seen a man get tortured before? Lots, Lots of fun. fun. Like, oh my God. It was just gross. He's covered in blood. The man he's got strung up is bleeding head to toe. Yeah. Uh, blood draining all over the floor. I mean, like literally, as you go through this comic, the pages top to bottom are smeared just red. With blood. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And these kids, you know, they come in and uh, Mr. Diggs is just being really chummy with him. He's like, I like your weapons, pals. Leave them by the door. What do you need weapons for anyway? And then... Uh, they're like, we're looking for the clowns who took our friend away. We're going to get revenge. He's like, revenge? I'm all for that. I'm Mr. Dig. Come meet Pusher Paul here. He works for uh, McCurdy. Sam McCurdy. Yes. And uh, he lifts McCur- he lifts Paul, Pusher Paul, uh, by his head and because he, he's strung up by his feet. And he says, Pusher Paul here, he works uh, pushes uh, McCurdy's drugs. He's going to tell me where the next shipment is after I take the gag out. And he stabs him in the fucking eyeball with this fucking screwdriver. And he's like, he'll tell me where it's at after I take the gag off. But 
what's the fun in that before? Like if That's I, so gross. Yeah, it's just disgusting and gross. And it shows just no remorse for what he's doing. And yes, of course, he's torturing this bad person. Yep. Uh, but he's doing it in front of these little kids. Like, it's nuts. And they're they're like looking at it like this is the craziest shit they've ever seen. They, they realize they, they're in over their head. They're like, way oh, out shit. There. This is way out of their league. And, you know, they went looking for trouble and they fucking found it. And um, he's basically just showing them the dark side. You know what I mean? Like, this yep. is it. Like, there's no turning of a, there's no man behind a curtain. Uh, this really reminds me of Lord of the Flies, um, where how fragile um, society is. There's, there's this thin red line that once it's crossed and once you go beyond it, it, there's just no turning back and also just how easy it is for, to walk from total uh, calm society to absolute anarchy and chaos. And yeah. <laughs> that's what I think his just point is. Just, Jake, Jakey goes, are you a superhero? Yeah. <laughs> are you a superhero? He's like, uh, he's talking to him. He's like, that's what it like. it's like uh, to get revenge on bad people. Looks like fun to you, huh? And then, yeah, he asked him if he's a superhero and then the kids are like, Hey, Mr. Dig, we can be your sidekicks. Can you help us and show us how to kill people? <laughs> like, and he's like, sure, I'll show you how to kill people. And then um, this is where um, Hard Deep gets a little too pushy with his friend. Uh, he goes, maybe not Jakey, though. His parents are both smackheads, and he reeks of piss. Hardly crime fighting material. And then he pushes him. He's like, my name's Jake. Not Jakey, it's Jake. Right, he just shoves hard deep in the back. Yeah. And, and he's, like, he's screaming at him. And every day you treat me like shit and I take it because my time uh, my time hanging with you guys is still the best part of my day. Yep. How sad is that? It's a joke. I deserve better than you. All of you. And he storms out of the out of the place. Yep. And um, this is where things get bad. Uh, Mr. Dig grabs hard deep and he's like, all right. I'm going to show you how it is to be like me. I just need you to do one thing for me. Kill Pusher Pete. Push, so he, push your Paul. Oh, sorry. Pusher Paul. Let's him down from the rafters so he smacks on the ground and, and hands hard deep the shovel. Covered in fucking blood. Like, so gory at this point. Yeah. And he's like, here's my shovel, kid. One big, sh- one big swing into his skull. Put your back into it. Best you kill him in one shot. Not chop, chop, chop like you're cutting a tree, you know? And then hard deep. Pulls back like he's going to swing a bat. And then he looks into this guy's poor one eyeball. Yeah, the rest of him is so beat up. <clears throat> you can't even tell his face. Yeah, and I mean, the guy looks like he's just, you know, had enough and just begging for mercy without begging for mercy kind of thing. Yep. And then Hard Deep just puts shovel down. He's like, I, I can't I can't do it. And uh, <clears throat> this is where Mr. Dig is proving his point. He's like, stupid boy, of course you can't. You're a child. You're so lucky this is not your world. And then uh, he pushes the kids back and he said, you guys, get out of here. You never need, you never want to know what this is like. Go back to school where you belong. Forget what you see in this place. And then all of a sudden, uh, dung, he gets hit in the back of the head oh, by his own shovel. I know. That that really resonated with me. They're like, his fingers holding out and all of a sudden, you yep. can just imagine him getting smacked in the back of the head. Exactly. And he falls <clears throat> and there's Paul standing there, face, face mangled. He's holding the shovel. He's telling the kids you're dead yeah um, he's like I, i'm gonna kill each and every one of you now he's like nobody sees nobody sees paul at the weakest state and if i leave you guys here you're gonna be witnesses to the murder of mr yep. dig i'm gonna kill him so i'm gonna kill all of you 
and then he grabs the girl by the throat and he's choking her. Her and, eyes are popping out. Oh man, it's crazy. Like how it's drawn is really just gruesome. And this isn't akin to like crossed or like some of those torture porn books. Like this is horror at its best. Like I don't I don't want people to think we're just talking about this book and it's gory this to the point where this isn't Rob Zombie where you know Rob Zombie movies are more gross than scary. Yeah, um, this is this is drawn for scare factor. Yes, it is. Yeah, I would say that too. Um, yeah, it's not Jigsaw, you know, you know, Saw, the Saw movies yeah. where it's torture porn kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not blood, blood for blood, just for the sake of being buckets. You know. Yep. It's drawn for uh, scary effect, but uh, yeah, he's choking her, and he's just sitting there. He's just telling those those boys that are still there, like, "What are you gonna do? Look, if you were men, you'd save her, but you're not. You're children." And then uh, she's on the brink of just being choked to death. And then running in to save the day, Jake smashes full him. of bricks, yeah. just smacks him right behind the knee or behind the leg. Yeah, smashes him out. his knee. And uh, they grab Sarah and they're like, are you okay? And then uh, Craig punches him in the face. And then they're like, get him. And then they, they get, just they get him to the him, When they get him to the ground, they pummel him. And they at one point, um, I think oh, it's Hardy is biting his face. No, in one um, of the, I think Craig bites Craig his does. ear off. Yeah, that's what Hardeep is. is just pounding his feet or his fa- his uh, fists into the guy's stomach. Um, they they drill their thumbs through his eyes. Yep. Oh man, turn, this is just turn terrible. Page it was Jakey that bit him in the ear. Oh yeah, yeah. Jakey, Jake bit him. Jake ripped his ear off. Yep. And it, again, he's worse. He's worse than he was before. And then. Um, Craig is like, what do we do now? He's like, well, it's simple. We're going to kill him. And then he's like, I'm not killing anybody. So he throws down the, the wood plank with the uh, nails in it. And then all of a sudden, shunk, somebody hits him with the nail board. And uh, he's hitting the side of the head. Yep. And then it's Sarah. And she's like, ladies first, you fat fuck. Because that's what he said to her when yep. he, before he choked her, ladies so- first. Hit her. She she hit him in the side of the face with this nail plank. So all the nails got drilled into his cheek and ear, or oh, where his ear used to be. Man, and then they just dogpile on him. Yep. Like hard deep comes in with a shiv and cuts him in the throat. Uh, Jake's hitting him with this bag of bricks. The hockey stick is coming in. Oh man, dude, it is just a gruesome bloodbath. They, and um, these kids just go hog wild on this guy um so yeah again back to what you're saying it's not about the gore factor it's about these kids were changed during this during this fight they definitely were brought to this next level of having to kill this guy they crossed the line man yep yeah and and that's why i like to bring up the lord of the flies thing is how simple it how simple it is to jump from complete order to utter chaos and um there's this really great, like, happy moment at the end. Now they're, like, walking away, and the silhouettes are in the sunset, yep. and Mr. Dig is, like, escorting Mr. Digg's them out. Be- Mr. Dig's behind him. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, don't worry about Push Paul. I'll clean that up. No one will ever find that body. He's like, he won't be the first person to disappear in a speakeasy, you know. <laughs> he's like, right, well, get on quick. It'll be dark soon. I'm sorry I was stupid, and because of that, you had a terrible. Th- you had to do a terrible thing. I let you down, but you saved my life. Thank you. It's like, but you are all much naughtier than my kids. <laughs> and he walks away bloodied with his shovel. And the kids, they come back and they're all, they've all cleaned up, or at least to the point where they look uh, presentable. Look presentable, yeah. And um, 
they're all going to go home now because it's dark. And then uh, Sarah says to Craig, she's like, Craig, I've been thinking about what Mr. Diggs said earlier. I thought about what that man did to me, and I wanted to kill him. Does that, does that mean I'm spoiled now? And he goes, Sarah, if you're spoiled, we all are. Yeah, and then and they walk this, away. There's this nice scene, too, between Hardeep and Jakey where Hardeep yeah, yeah, yeah. says, Jake, you want to come over and spend the night? Play video games. Play video games. So he's trying to make an effort. You know, to be his friend and not well, be Well, and he realizes him. they're the same now. Like, they did this crazy thing together, so it's yep. all brought them together. Right. And then, um, of course, in true sync fashion, it cannot end with a happy ending. Right. Craig's walking so, alone. He goes, I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah. There's nothing to fear. And up comes the blue van from behind him. Oh, and then, of course, sync logo, fade yep. to black, end of the book. Yeah. Goddamn creepy clowns. Oh, uh, you know. Fantastic and, book. Yep. And continues to impress listeners that haven't heard before. I drive a big blue van. So you do, you scary person. I am one of the clowns. You, I hope not. <laughs> You're just you, you didn't want to do a podcast. This is just a long recruitment process. This is this is the long con. Right we'll, here. we'll get to like episode 100, and you'd be like, "Well, that's the episode, John. You want to go uh, kill some people in my van? <laughs> what? <laughs> ah! And then John screams. Ah! <laughs> that's it. Fade to black. Sink. <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> oh, man. But the shit, I think that does it for our episode. We talked about Abbott number one from Boom Studios, Vinegar Teeth from Dark Horse, and Sync from Comics Tribe. Yep. Uh, Sync was issue number four. Abbott and Vinegar Teeth were both issue number ones. Image, uh, oh, Vertigo put out Imaginary Fiends. Issue number three. Issue number three. And then uh, Redneck number nine did come out this week. Just wanted to give it a nice quick mention. It was good. Donnie Cates is awesome. And uh, my tidbit for the week is... Buy up as many redneck number ones as you can because I would bet money that this will be a TV show at some point. And um, this has the most uh, stock, I think, for potential. Yeah. Later on. Um, yeah, it was a great issue. Um, I don't know if you, you haven't read it yet, have no, you? No, I didn't get a chance Okay, to. well, I won't spoil it, but don't uh, spoil it. Father Landry has his way with some people. What? what? He's Motherfucker. A, he's a vampire now. Shh. Cool. Yep. Asshole. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's going to take us out. Uh, let's. This is, a, this is a good episode. Yeah. We stayed on track. Uh, impressively. Yes. So uh, it, we had a couple of side notes, a, but they were this fun. This is almost back to a comic book podcast for the night. <laughs> we're we're going to steer it there. I mean, uh, someday we're going to get it down to where we uh, talk about the books all the way through, and then yeah. we'll get to the end, and we'll be like, oh, shit. It's over. How are you? 30 minutes? <laughs> Uh, anyway, guys, it's been fun. It's been real. Yes. It's been uh, scary. Keep it scary. We want to, we want we like the weird. We do. And that's what, uh, we do with this podcast is we try and bring to your attention things that you wouldn't, you would not normally buy in your comic wall. We know that Superman, Batman, Spider-Man and everything else comes out and we're tired of it. And we want to, uh, shine a light in the dark on these, uh, crazy books that come out and, uh, maybe give you some tidbits, um, on things that you wouldn't normally buy or also uh, things that could help you turn a profit because that's kind of what my hobby is on the side. Yeah. I like it. It's fun. if you are sick of the superhero stuff, you don't know where to start in them, come join the dark side. Come join the indie comics. Come come listen to our podcast, pick up what we're talking about, and you will be evil too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You will be impressed and then uh, you'll also – uh, find this is where original content is being created. Yes, indie books. This is the source material from the movies you're watching, and the t- and the television shows. I mean, this is the future right here. 
So uh, thanks so much. Go to our Facebook page. Go download our our uh, yeah. our podcast anywhere um, that you can. Anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, you can go to our website at uh, smashandgrabcomics.com. Yep. Um, obviously, that's with just the letter N, not the A-N-D. Smashing. Smashandgrabcomics.com. Um, Instagram, Facebook, we're, we're everywhere. Download us. Tell a friend. Leave a review. Give us a rating. Check out that. my personal MySpace page. Yeah, it's, it's still fucking up. Fucking sick, is it? Uh, no. Uh, I forgot my password. Oh. I wonder. I wonder if it's the same. Like, if I if I logged into it, would it look the same? I don't know. I think MySpace started be- to become more about glittery banners and uh, interactive, clickable things. Yeah, it, it definitely was. It became super busy. Yep, it was Holy very shit. busy. How did that was, person get blue text? <laughs> yeah, it was very busy, almost like an angel fire um, um, webpage. Oh, do you man. remember? Or maybe you don't. Being no, a little I don't remember younger, that. But, okay, so Angel Fire was this company that you could basically make a um, website on, and so it would be whatever you named it dot angelfire dot com, and it was the only thing that they gave you to work with was like blinking, flashing things. Ooh, and, and um, you this know, is when the internet was. Just getting into the cusp. Okay, so I remember cool making things. one of these. It was it was the year uh, two thousand. I just graduated high school, and so um, yeah, I made, I made one of these things, and it's probably still there. Um, <laughs> uh, Angel Fire. Yeah. So Google Angel Fire if you want to know what that is, and then um, yeah, I remember making my first MySpace page. Oh man, I'd spend hours. Yep. It, I'm so it glad was that's early over. early 2000s for me. I don't know when yeah. you made yours, but thank God. Then I, you know, thank God that's over. Probably about 2005 or six, I made a Facebook page and had it since. Yeah, so Facebook's uh, end all be all, man. Yeah, I think they told me I had my 10th anniversary on Facebook. So nice. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, I've I've had mine for that long too. Yeah, if not longer. Which, like I said, I I want to close it. I'm I'm on the verge of being off it, but. I feel like if I do, I will be cut off from well, everything. How I keep in touch with some people, and like, uh, or like, you know, if I don't have someone's number, I will literally just call them on Facebook. Like, I will literally <laughs> just send them a message via Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And most people respond to that quicker than they do text. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Oh, yeah, they'll do Facebook messaging way faster. It's crazy. And then yeah, one of my good friends, you know, he and I were Facebook messaging for the longest time, and then uh, he said, "Text me later on my phone," and I said. I don't have your number. <laughs> and we've been friends for years. I'll just message you on here, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's get out of here, John. Yes. Okay. First Smash and Grab Comics. This is Tyler. This is JP. See ya. Bye.